you have to like get people to embrace the idea that they have to feel something. You're not just here for your butt to look better or to, you know, to like look cuter in your dress tomorrow. You're here for a bigger purpose. You're listening to Muscle Medicine, where we debunk the myths in the health and wellness world to bring you the latest updates in exercise, rehab, and nutrition from industry leaders. Join your host, Dr. Emily Kybert, chiropractor and movement expert, as she brings you simple, actionable tips to reach your fullest potential. So we are sitting down with Holly Jean Cosner, used to be the Pilates queen of New York. Still am. <laughs> in absentia. But now she's in LA. You so miss me. Now she, I, oh my God, do I miss you? Are you kidding me? It's like, who do I go to now? Uh-huh. Uh. Nobody. So how long have you been teaching Pilates for? Since 19, I got certified in 1997. So what is that? 22 years? Whoa. When I was 12. Stop it. No, I no, I wasn't 12. <laughs> no, that's me trying to look cuter. And what has been your evolution? Because the thing I really love about you is you are always curious. You're like always thinking, okay, how can I cue this differently and connect with the person so they can turn this on? Which I think some people just go through the motions and that is not you. Well, and no, because I, I don't want to waste anybody's time. Like if you're showing up for a session, I want you to feel what you're looking to feel and make the change happen. So if I don't get the sensation that someone's understanding what I'm saying, I've got to find another way to say it. It's on me, not them. I love that mentality. Well, it's such a great mindset. Thank you. Do you find that a lot of people, especially in the New York LA area that kind of like go, 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 it's like hard to get them to feel in their body because they're so up in their head. You mean New Yorkers? Sure, we can do New Yorkers. That's just like the fast-paced life these days. Yeah, the New Yorkers, you have to get them to come back down to the floor. <laughs> Whereas in LA, you just have to like wrangle and like just get in the room. Mm-hmm. And then I feel like New Yorkers really want to get it. They try really hard, like almost too hard. Mm. So I feel like I have to get them to pull back a bit. And then in LA, they don't really want to try... <laughs> They want to be told how good they're doing. They don't really want to like do the work I love to the make it happen. So you have to like coax them into it. Oh, okay. So what's your evolution been like over the last 22 years? Well, I started when I first got into Pilates, I was a dancer and there weren't that many teachers at that time. So I kind of got roped in when I went in with a friend who was getting certified. She was a dancer and they were like, oh, you're a dancer too. Oh, you come, come do the program with us. And that was with Bob and Ramana. And towards the end of that teacher training, I got very close with Bob. And he kind of told me like, you know, if you really want to understand Pilates, you should be doing yoga as well, because there's a strong connection between the two. And so I was like, oh, okay. So then I started getting into yoga And really, that did help me find the truth about Pilates, that it's not just core work. It's like full body. It's as much strengthening as it is stretch. And it's basically the mat work specifically. It's taking a lot of yoga postures and just infusing different movements into them and then working the breath against it. So I just found that they worked really well together. So I ended up getting certified for yoga and then kind of tailoring things along those lines. 
what were you working the breath against? What do you mean? Working the breath against, like the exhale is when you're contracting, you're contracting the abdominals. And so you want to push the air out. Like a lot of Pilates teachers, I feel like they teach through the mouth breathing, which mm. makes me crazy. <laughs> <laughs> um, because even if you go back to like Joe Pilates, he had a famous quote that was eat with your mouth, breathe with your nose. Right. And so a lot of teachers I see even today teach breath breathing with a s and a and it's like, it's so stressful to me when I breathe that way, I can feel my nervous system like stressing out when I mouth breathe and, you know, using the yoga breath, the Ujjayi breath it goes so much deeper when you add the Pilates contractions to that with the Ujjayi breath. It's like you can really feel the brace and the corset muscles like cinching for you. Mm -hmm. But I don't, I don't get that sensation with mouth breathing. I think I did not answer your question. No, you did. So, okay. So going back to your evolution. So you were, you did the Pilates teacher training, you added another training with yoga teacher mm -hmm. training. And then I added bar training into that oh. as well. Oh, yeah, I know you've kicked my ass. You know, bar. I love a glute. I love a glute. <laughs> and now you teach teacher trainings, you do privates, you do group classes. What do you really love to do? Probably my favorite is privates, just because you can really get specific with someone and work to handle what's going on with them. And it seems like everybody's got an issue. So that to me is the most interesting because I can like walk in fresh and see what's happening today with your body and really focus on how we can improve the rest of your day going into tomorrow and like the next session. Yeah. So which is where NKT. Oh yeah. Got we'll very get into interesting that. to me. Yeah. So there's mat classes. Mat cl I like a mat class. Sometimes you walk into a studio and there's like <laughs> all these different contraptions. Mm -hmm. Can you talk about how it's different? Like, why would someone use a reformer and a Cadillac versus like just getting on a mat? Well, technically, you really shouldn't be on the reformer until you've done a lot of mat work. Hmm. Like the real work is on the mat and then you bring it over to the reformer. But if you start on the reformer, you tend to cheat a lot. That's People like the, it's fun to be on a reformer. You move and you Jumpy. push things and it's interesting. Yeah. But if you don't know what you're doing core wise, you're just going to cheat your way through it. And so with the reformer, like technically the more advanced you get, the lighter you load the springs. Not heavier. No. Oh. So heavy is going to help you. Heavy is you forcing through. You're going to use your quads a lot. You're going to use your neck. Yeah. But when you download those springs and you have nothing to help you, that's when the real work starts. So a lot of times, like if I'm teaching a reformer class with people I don't know very well, but they're all just like shoving through everything, you can see it on footwork. The first thing you do, they, it's just like they're, they're doing like leg presses with the reformer and that has nothing to do with what you're looking for. So I'll take all the springs off, but like one, and then all of a sudden their eyes just like pop out of their heads. <laughs> because like, you're making them oh. work. <laughs> Oh, I feel my abdominals all of a sudden. And like, cause you have to control that. Like you, the springs take over the control for you. So the lighter you go, the more you have to be the ninja of your machine. Mm. So is that a typical philosophy? Like own the mat, then get on the reformer? Yes. Yes. Really? Cause I feel like sometimes I've met some people and they're like, let's do the reformer. You have some injuries. Mm -mm. Like the, mm -mm. you got to own the mat. No way. Well, the mats were, you have nothing to help you. It's just right. you and gravity. 
So that's where you can see people's habits very quickly. So, so what yeah. kind of habits do you see? Like, Holy. let's see. <laughs> people sitting, driving, sitting at their desk. Like, what's some, like, common things you see? Well, a lot of weak abdominals, obviously. A lot obviously. of weak transverse abdominals. A lot of QL that's just, like, over-firing and yeah. over-lifting off the floor. So a lot of people have a lot of hard issues with keeping their back on the mat. And I hear a lot of teachers, this drives me crazy too, teaching quote unquote neutral spine as having a nice big space under your back, which doesn't make any sense to me because then your QLs are firing up and making your back hurt. And when I hear people teach that way, I see everybody in the room like grimacing because they can't keep their legs in the air. (laughs) So that whole thing, like to me, a neutral spine is the back is neutral, like your tailbone to the top of the head is neutral, one long line, the muscles brace in around and they pull downwards towards the floor. You're not tucking, you're not arching, you're neutral, but you're holding the back down through the QLs. So that is a big deal. And I feel like that catches people's attention when I'm teaching that in class, that tends to be what makes people go, oh, Oh, you mean I don't need a space under my back? Because people will literally put their hand under their back and try to create more space. Hmm. But then aren't they overusing their joints? Like, aren't people like, oh, my back hurts after that Pilates class? Well, yeah, if they're not, if they're not dropping the QLs down to make that back flat on the mat without crushing it, it's like a fine line. You know, you don't want to, the thing is, is obviously you don't want to tuck. But for some people, they need to use that imprint spine because they just have nothing. So I'll tell them to like sit on the outer base of their thumbs under Mm -hmm. the sit bones. So your fingers are, it's like long arms, fingers past the sit bones so that you're just tipping the tailbone up that tiny bit to create imprint spine, which is really just opening up the back body. Do you find that when sometimes people try to get like length through the low back, they'll start to like chin jaw? Oh, yeah. I've started in the last few years because so many people's head flies back into that mat and their chins are flying up. It just looks like pain. I've had people, um, (laughs) almost every class I make people put their head on a block instead of flat on the mat. And I just keep it um, under the back of the head, not the neck. So it just gives that tiny bit of elevation, but it helps you access your abdominals a lot better, I find. Do you have like a a client in mind that's like a incredible transformation because you oftentimes hear people like Pilates saved my life or I feel so good because I started this Pilates practice my back pain went away Mm, I mean I feel like all of my privates are like that I feel like they've come I mean I've worked with most of my privates for so long that I've seen like huge transformations from the beginning but like someone like you remember Sharon, you mm-hmm. work with Sharon. Yeah. She's got piriformis syndrome and I think she has some herniations in her lower disc, like all kinds of problems that you can see in her x-rays and stuff. But she is super consistent with her Pilates. She does it like three times a week religiously. And we change it up all the time based on how she's feeling that day. I never give her the same workout, but I'm always conscious of the piriformis and conscious of really trying to get her to brace in and corset and slide those two hip bones towards the midline and tighten. And she doesn't have any pain anymore. She's been pain-free for years. Yeah. How but old can, Sharon do you Sharon think? isn't, and, I don't know. I think she's in her seventies. Yeah. Like I think if you were just to take her imaging, you would look at her and be like, 
she's in she's pain. In, she might be like hunched over in pain, but she walks through the world like she's amazing. Yeah, amazing. she's one of the strongest clients I have. Yeah, yeah. She, I mean, not the she, twenty year old. The twenty year olds are the worst. <laughs> oh my god, the millennials with their little Gumby bodies—they can't hold anything up. It's crazy. When I go in, especially in LA, those classes are full of young kids that I'm just like, how do you get through your day? Like you ask them to pick up a two pound weight and they just like fall to the floor. <laughs> it's insane. <laughs> I don't understand it. The, the younger generation is very disconnected from their bodies in my, in my practice. So how do you encourage reconnection? Pick up a weight for one thing. <laughs> Show up to class, pay attention. (laughs) The basics. (laughs) Yeah. I mean, part of it is like an ADD thing, I think, that they're, you know, so focused on so many things that it's hard for them to get into their bodies almost. Like there's a real disconnect with the younger generation in their bodies. Do you find that? Uh, yeah. Like you'll ask them to take a breath and it's all up "Mm." in their neck or, and then they wonder why they're having headaches and or you ask even, them and they're like, huh? Yeah, you ask them a question, it takes them forever to process the question, just like, especially when it pertains to their body. If you say, pick up your right leg, they pick up their left hand. And you're like, no, your right leg. Hmm? And it's, they're just not there. Yeah, I mean, I, pro- I'm being way too general. <laughs> Cut this out. I mean, it's probably, you know, <laughs> from like all the phone, like, okay, what did well, we do when we were kids? We like texting. ran around, jumped off trees. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Versus. Yeah. Everything's texting. Their necks are just, I don't know how they hold their heads up. The whole text neck thing is for real. It's a real deal. It's real. Yeah. So how do you take, because oftentimes when I think of Pilates, it's a lot of horizontal work. You mean on your back? On your back. Yeah. But you know, we move through the world a lot of our day vertical. So like, how do you take the Pilates and transition it to like a functional application to like what we do in our day? Well, for me personally, I teach classes in LA called core works. So it's basically I've, I use bands from the wall in the same way that I would use a reformer, but I use it standing. So there's a lot of standing work, pulling with the bands, but taking the Pilates principles into that. Mm, I love that. It's just basically taking the Pilates practice onto your feet. So I always start them out on their backs and do like basic reformer arm work with the straps and then try to just cue through there and then hold those muscles the way you're holding them when you're on your back, when you're standing. And then the tension from the wall creates that balance problem. And so the only resolution for that is the core yeah so it's like waking up people's feet and creating this like foot to core integration mm-hmm. I love it's that. A, there's a lot of balance to it yeah are people when they first come like falling over yeah. Yeah. i'm not falling over i mean it's not that like super wobbly it's not dangerous but they're very disconcerted if they're not used to it yeah so i know there's lots of different styles of pilates can you kind of give us like a quick breakdown because i think Everyone just is like, it's Pilates. It's all the same. When it's like, no, it's actually not. Yeah, there's classical Pilates, which is, if you took it like if you, I mean, you'd have to know yoga, but if you compared it to yoga, classical Pilates is kind of like the Ashtanga way. Mm -hmm. So there's a set series on each piece of equipment. It is in an order. And you start, the basic order is like a set of eight exercises. And then as someone progresses with those eight, you keep adding in and adding in just to create a longer and longer workout the same way you would with Ashtanga, just adding into your 
asana practice that way. You have way. to like own those eight first. You, you have to progress. own those eight. And you, once you progress, you may get like two more. I'll reward you with two more exercises today. So, and it's the same on the reformer, like with all the equipment, it's like that. And it's regimented like crazy. Like you stick to that order or else. So the first few years that I taught, probably the first 10 years that I taught, I was strict classical. And I was very judgmental about anybody <laughs> who deviated from that. <laughs> and that's like straight from the like Joseph that's Pilates from lineage. Joseph, yeah. So Romana and Bob were my teachers. Romana was Joseph Pilates' protege. So she was very like, you do it this way. But then she would like take things out and be like, yeah, we're not going to do that anymore. Or we're going to add this in. And so then it started getting kind of crazy with that. But I found that being so regimented, everything's turned out. Everything's in Pilates V external rotation. Of the hips and the feet. Mm -hmm. So that doesn't necessarily work for everybody's body. And then I went to LA for like a year and I started working with contemporary teachers beside them. Like I was teaching for yoga works, but there was another girl teaching there who was contemporary. And I was constantly looking over like, what? what is she doing? She's not stupid. She's like super smart. So then I started like <laughs> booking sessions with her. Cause I was like, I want to see what you're doing. So I we would trade out you. sessions. Yeah. Cause she didn't know classical. She'd be like, what are you doing? So we were trying to figure each other out. And I really learned to embrace what she was doing. It was so different that I started stealing a lot of it just, and she was just doing like contemporary, the bossy. I think she went to the bossy Institute. So yeah, it's very, the contemporary is more neutral. Everything's neutral rotation. There's really not an order to it. You really, I, and I'm not an expert on it, but because I've just done it, I haven't done like a contemporary training per se, but I've trained with a lot of contemporary teachers. So it's just more see what you see and go with it. Do you know why it's more neutral versus... Um, well, their out? idea is that everything should start from neutral. And if you're going to turn out, you should have a reason to turn out. Mm, it's kind of, kind of the why behind. Yeah. Yeah, I love yeah. that. Yeah. And okay. then sometimes I even find myself sometimes having people fully internally rotate. Like if you're trying to get a little deeper pull from the psoas, if you take that thigh bone and really rotate it in, you can really sink through there sometimes and feel it. I think it's that's the thing. It's so different for everyone's body. That's why privates are so nice is because I can play around and decide like if I'm doing a single leg circle and I can put them in th- one of three different rotations and decide, do I want to keep you neutral? Do I want you turn out or turn in? What are you going to feel what I'm looking for? And people, you know, they can give me the feedback and then make it better for themselves. <laughs> and then you whip them. And then I destroy <laughs> them with it. <laughs> and then I make them wish they never said that. So let's talk about the breath. Because I've heard many different teachers cue it different ways. Sometimes it's like, take a breath in and zip up and in. And then as you exhale, squeeze and zip up and in even more. And I'm just like, <laughs> choke yourself. I'm like, okay, there's no breath to go anywhere. So, so what do you teach? I, for many years, I taught the classical breath, which is inhale into extension, exhale into contractions, like an accordion. Is extension like spine is extending when the body is moving into an extended position or when it's moving into flexion you're exhaling and they would say you know you inhale into the extension to basically oxygenate the muscles which that was the theory behind it and then to force more air out on the contractions so there's that but then I started reversing it which a lot of contemporary people do and that 
I find super effective too. So I play between the two. I don't consistently do either. Lately, I'm much more inclined to exhale into an extension. So when I'm trying to get, let's say you're doing like double leg stretch and you have two legs extending out, two arms extending back, it's super hard to hold that. So you're on your back, feet are going out, feet arms are, are going overhead. Yeah. Your legs are about 45 degrees, maybe lower. Arms are right in front of your ears, so That's not tricky. too far That's a back. Long lever. It's a long <laughs> lever, so the better chance to keep your abdominals held is on an exhale, really, because you got more pressure to hold that exhale. So, and I also tend to think of it as like pushing something away from you with your legs. So, if your legs are not just shoving out, but like there's something in front of your feet that you're pushing off of you while you exhale, you really get a stronger connection to your center. So I tend to teach that way a lot. And then sometimes I'll throw in the classical just to break it up, just to say like, hey, try it this way and see. And then if it's a private, I'll say, which one do you feel more connected to? Yeah. So if someone comes in, so what we teach is like to get into that like parasympathetic calm place, Mm -hmm. you need your exhale twice as long Mm -hmm. as your inhale. Absolutely. So like sometimes people coming in and it's like a one-to-one. It's Mm -hmm. like... (laughs) You're just like, okay, whoa. <laughs> so like, do you feel like you have to like tone down some people's nervous system constantly and then do the work? Constantly have to slow people down. Those LA people. Well, hi, New York. <laughs> no. Um, no, people are so, they want to speed through motion. Like they don't want to slow down and feel the movement. They just want to get the reps done. I just got to do 10 and then I'm done, right? And then it's like <laughs> five. Okay. It's like calm down and feel it. So I feel like I'm constantly slowing people down with the inhale and the exhale, but definitely more so like press your legs out much slower, push something heavy, create that brace instead of just shoving out. And like, I know I'm way too, you can't, nobody can see what I'm doing over here. Okay. Just instead of shoving but out Instead your of shoving your legs out, hyperextending your knees and throwing your feet out and then your back's going to come flying up, like really slow down and feel. So sometimes I literally stand in front of people and have them push me, like try to knock me over. You never will. But you know what I mean? It's like, you have to like get people to embrace the idea that they have to feel something. You're not just here for your butt to look better or, you know, to like look cuter in your dress tomorrow. You're here for a bigger purpose. So sometimes I find it hard when we work with people who've done a lot of Pilates Mm -hmm. and, you know, a lot of our focus is like strength training Mm -hmm. because that Pilates person or how dare you people of the world Mm -hmm. are going to pick up a suitcase. They're going to put it in the overhead and like, you know, just trying to teach them functional stuff, some functional movements. Sometimes it's hard for people to like kind of breathe down and wide into the little kind of getting that like 360 breath. So like you've done some strength training. How do you carry, like, how do you carry over for myself? Yeah. From like a, like a very strong Pilates yoga background to like picking up something heavy. Um, well, I have tricky, kicking and screaming at first. I mean, the first time someone told me to pick up an eight pound weight, I was like, no, and now I embrace it, but I, I feel like I bring, a, I, everything has to stem from the center for me to, to embrace weights. Like if I just try to do just some bicep curls without really setting myself up for it, I, I just injure myself. Cause I'm, I have two, my joints are too loose and I won't support things and it doesn't feel good. So 
I use the same breath that I would for Pilates. Like I use Ujjayi breath when I, and I'd say, you know, I, I could take a lot of hit classes that I love and they do a lot of heavy weights and kettlebells. They do a lot of breath through the mouth, which I just don't do. So they're constantly coming over to me like, are you breathing? And I'm like, I'm definitely breathing through my nose. Deep <laughs> as hell. You have no idea. Like, <laughs> I mean, there's a lot of like, I think oftentimes it's like exhale through the mouth, but they should definitely be breathing in through the nose. They teach a lot of exhale through the mouth, yeah. but because I'm not doing the shh with it, I'm just... Through my nose, they think I, I think they think I'm too calm looking because I'm not like grunting and making faces. They're like, give her a heavier weight. <laughs> no, no, no. That's not necessary. <laughs> but, no, somebody did the other day, actually. I was doing something in a class and I had a 15 and she was like, mm, we're going to give you the 20. And I was like, no! But then I was like, you know what? Just do it. Just try it. Yeah. And it's not bad. If you breathe, you can do it. It's just, it's all about like balancing out your breath with your abdominal pressure and then everything gets light. So what do you do with the people who don't breathe? I stop them. (laughs) (laughs) You smack them. (laughs) Just give them a big hit across the head. No, I I make them, I stop them and like, we're going to start again without, like if you're, if I'm handing them a weight, we're going to take the weight away and we're going to do just a slow movement with the breath until you get this breath right. And then we might have to like pull back a lot. But most people, they want to do the right thing. Yeah. So if you, if you stop them and really bring their awareness to it, they want to, they want the like pat on the back, like, yeah, you did good. You, you breathed right that time. Um, so you took uh, a course that we both taken called neurokinetic therapy NKT, David Weinstock's course. So how is that? So it's a lot of muscle testing. It's a lot of looking for compensations. It's a lot. It's a, it is a lot. <laughs> a lot. I flailed. I mean, I think I've been you there for flailed. Like, oh my god! For three months, I was like, I'm like, all my clients are going to leave because they'd be like, so what is funny, this? That's so funny because I'm like, I'm sure Emily just got this so oh, perfectly the no, first time. No, no. And I, it's it's hard, and I have to get a lot of guinea pigs. Because I don't teach, like, my private, a lot of my private clients, if I tell them I want to do testing on them, they're like, mm, what? <laughs> no, I just want to work out. <laughs> like, I really have to, like, sell it to them. Yeah. And then be like, it's only going to take five minutes. I swear we'll work out right after this. Because they just don't understand what it is. But, yeah, it's the manual muscle testing. I'm trying to figure out, like, say you have, like, I was just working on a woman this morning. Yeah. And she was having pain in her groin. And she's a horseback rider pain in the groin. Anytime she would extend her legs, she was like, I can't extend my leg. It hurts. The whole session was just like, it hurts. It hurts. It hurts. I said, let's just test and see what's happening. So I tested her adductors and pectineus was weak. And so then I was like looking around to figure out like what could be compensating for that and put a little TL on the psoas. And then once we TL'd the psoas, pectineus tested stronger. Wow. So then the whole thing. So I did the whole protocol and at the end, 10 minutes, I mean, it's not, it's no time at all. And she's very, she was kind of like, what are we doing? Like, is this working? And then I said, well, let's just, we released the psoas, activated the pectineus. So I just had her do simple leg circles after that, which she could not do before that. And she was like, oh my God. Oh my God. I can feel my abdominals. I love it. And I don't feel anything in my groin. She's like, she's still texting me like, I can't believe it. Good work, lady. And I'm like, I can't either. <laughs> it totally works. It's like, I used to think it was voodoo when you would do it to me. I'd be like, she is, she's got voodoo. I don't know what she's doing, but it worked every time you did it on me. And now I get it. 
And now I, it's so hard to explain to people how it works, but it's made me so much more clear, even just teaching Pilates, what are you working every, like if you ask me what you're working on any exercise, now I have a much bigger answer than your transverse abdominals, uh, your internal obliques are here. It's like, it's so much bigger than that. There's so much more to it. That's amazing. It's huge, but it's definitely made me more specific as an, as an instructor. Yeah. And I stare at everybody. Like <laughs> I just, I, like I, I walk around just staring at people like I got it. How am I going to get this person to like, let me test them for just a second. I got to figure out why they're doing that. <laughs> yeah. I mean, I think I've been doing it for like six or seven years. And when I first came away, I was like three months flailing. Where do I start? And I would text and Facebook message friends who were instructors. Well, you were like one of the first people. Were you like in the first group? Not in the it's first only, group. I think like it's only third. like seven years old. Yeah. So you were like in the first round of people trained. Yeah. You're OG. <laughs> so yeah, I just remember flailing and I was like, I'm totally gonna have to close down my clinic. No one's ever gonna come again. No but people stuck with it because I'm like, I got results. So. It does get results. Yeah. And to me, I'm, I'm young enough in this practice to just constantly be surprised when it works. <laughs> I'm like, I can't believe that worked. That's crazy. <laughs> That's so funny. It's so good though. But then I always end up with like the most, like the woman today is, is not difficult, but I end up with people with like so many crazy things going on that I'm like, this is so out of my realm. How do like, I have a woman who's had an aneurysm and had like been oh, in wow. a coma for a year and has oh my God. brain scars, like Oh, like going on down. Her head? And, yeah. And she's like, so can we do NKT? And I'm like, oh my God, I don't even know where to start. But I just start small with her and just yeah. do little things like looking into the core, but you know, just like dealing with scars and things like that has yeah. been incredibly helpful. Yeah. So women that you've seen that have had babies mm -hmm. or had babies and had a C-section, mm -hmm. do you, what do you find with that population? With C-section or just babies in general? Uh, let's do C-sections first. C-sections, a lot of weakness in the core, obviously, because of the scarring. Like, do you find that they're like, can't recruit lower core? So they're like, overusing the back, overusing the, the QL. Yeah, flaring the ribs, QLs like jamming up. And also, they just can't feel. Like the majority of them will be like, well, I just feel numb. Like yeah. in that area, when you say like brace, they're like, I don't even understand how to do that anymore. Yeah. So it's a slow process getting back. But I think with the NKT stuff, like teaching them to like lightly massage the scar before yeah. just to like give their brain a chance to remember to go there yeah. is super helpful. Also doing really subtle, small movements for them. So I don't do big like if I have them extend their leg and then bend it back, I would only have them bend it back a quarter to challenge the abdominals rather than doing like a big knee pull into the chest and going into big actions that they can cheat through. Yeah. And then how about just like if they haven't had a C-section, do you like just pushing out that baby? <laughs> well, similar because you don't want them pushing their abdominals out. So a lot of people after they have a baby, I don't let them lift their head. Like there's a lot of Pilates where the head is up. Like up, up, not just on like a block. Like your chin's like pulled Yeah, like off. lifting yeah. up to the baseline of your shoulder blades. So I don't let them do that for a while because I don't want them forcing the abdominals out for sure. So keep it more into a flat back, head back on a block, 
And then just really isolating small, small movements, focusing on narrowing the two hip bones towards the midline. On the front. On the front, the two frontal hip bones. If you get them to pull those two sides towards the center, that's super helpful to a lot of people. So a lot of people just focus on just like draw the ribs together, but I think you have to get much lower than that. So the ribs, yes, but it also needs to be more in a deeper position there. Yeah. What do you see like... Is there an evolution in the Pilates world? So for example, like in the yoga world, it's like, you know, the divine feminine teacher training. Mm-hmm. The, you know, there's like, I'm like, I feel like everyone is doing like their own spin of a teacher training. Right. Well, right now in the Pilates world, it's reformer classes and mega former SLT, yeah. Wonder Bar, these classes that just take, they took the reformer, made it bigger taken some things off of it, added some things, put a chair on the back of it, and then throw on the loudest music possible and tell you to go as fast as you possibly can. (laughs) And then watch people just fall on their heads. I mean, it's also like... um, It's hard. I mean... Like, I never knew that about the springs. I was like, oh, I'll load it up. It'll be like heavier. (laughs) (laughs) Well, that's you, Miss Kettlebell. You're like, yeah, give me the 20. But I never knew that like... That less springs was actually harder. Yeah, because you have nothing to help you. I didn't realize so that. put your feet on a bar. Like the most advanced person, I'll take all springs off. And say, put your feet on the bar and now move the carriage all the way back without falling off the bar. Try it. <laughs> I think I have. Happens. Not all springs off. But <laughs> see what happens with no springs. It's rough. Yeah. So what do you think of like the mega reformer movement? I, you know what? I don't hate it. There's some some places that do a good job with it, like the Wonder Bar Studio. There's a few in LA, and I think there's one here in New York. They're not all their trainers, and I shouldn't be like specifically saying anybody, but they're the head of their training. I remember seeing a picture of her and being like, "Oh my god, she's gonna be such a piece of work," because she was just like <laughs> so LA. And I what went. What does it mean to be so LA? Uh, just blonde hair, doing a reformer workout with her hair down. Ooh, you know what I mean? Where like, you get caught underneath? Right, <laughs> but it's like the picture, and, oh, you know, God, and the big right. ring, and she's right. you know really cute and perfect. And I was just like, oh god. And I was like, let me try her class because she teaches one class a week out there for the public. So I was, let me try her class, and I was blown away how smart she was. I was like, no way, this woman is amazing. So. Then I noticed a couple of her teachers, I got into a couple of their classes and they were really good. Most of the teachers I don't like, but the two, her two top teachers were really good and they really had a Pilates background. But a lot of the problem with these mega former studios is, is this is their first Pilates training. So they really don't know what they're doing in terms of like for Pilates truly to be trained in Pilates, you need to be on all the equipment, but you need to have the mat first before you move on to the reformer. Like when you're doing your teacher training, you do a full weekend of just mat before you even touch a reformer. So they don't understand the mat work at all. Like I'll say to their teachers, oh, do you teach any mat classes anywhere? And they're like, hmm, I don't know what you're talking about. So to me, that says you don't really know Pilates. You know this method that you're teaching and it's not Pilates. Yeah. So I went to a private once and I think it was... I want to say it's a Cadillac. I might be butchering this, but you like sat down. There was a bar. You put your foot on it. That's the chair. The chair. Yes. So (laughs) butchered. So you're on the chair and your foot is on a bar and you're just gently pushing down the the spring bar. 
It's a pedal. Yeah. Pedal, the pedal. Yeah. What does that do? I was doing that and I was like, what, You're like, what am I doing? I was sitting. One foot or two feet? Uh... I, I might have done both. I don't remember. Well, if you're sitting and you're pressing down the bar, it's challenging you to lift out of your posture as you push down. So the trick is not to sit right. and push. Right. It's to internally pick yourself up, hold yourself up as you push that bar down. I wouldn't call that, you know, <laughs> the hardest <laughs> exercise to do. <laughs> I'm not sure why they would have you do that, except like, for just to introduce you to a chair. <laughs> maybe they're like, look at this new toy. Want to play? And I was that, like, yes. That's the only thing they had you do on it? Uh, <laughs> on the chair? Yes. That was the... So the chair, if you go back into like Joseph Pilates and what inspired that chair, yeah. Chinese acrobat vault. Chinese acrobat so vault. So if okay. you look at the real fun work on the chair, it's palms down, feet on the pedal, and you pike up. Oh, that sounds hard. Yeah, like you could literally, I've seen people like do pike up to handstand on the chair, which I'll never do. That's wow. just too crazy. But it can teach you, like it could train you to do a press-up handstand, let's say, on the floor. Wow. So it's the idea of pulling the pedal up with your lower abdominals. Mm -hmm. But there's a million things to do on it, on the chair, yeah. for sure. So how do you find variation, right? So you went from like classical to more contemporary to now like, you know, saying like, okay, all my different privates, I see what, like, I meet them where they're at that day and create variation. Like, I think it's hard for people to be like creative in their variations that they give to their clients. It, I mean, that's what keeps me going. Like the idea of like doing the same thing every day, I would just quit. I can't do that. And I like to play, I like, I take classes all the time in different mediums. I don't just take Pilates. In fact, I rarely take Pilates, but I take lots of different other things just to like feel what else I can do. And then I'll sometimes take ideas from those classes and put it on the reformer or put it into. So I don't, I feel like there's no rules for me, <laughs> just for me. Everybody else has to follow the rules. <laughs> I do what I want. So like, <laughs> can you give an example of something that you took that was not very Pilates-esque, but you brought into the Pilates practice? Mm. Like from a hit class. I think that would be really interesting. Something from a hit class? I mean, I, it's hard to explain without a visual, but off the top of my head, there's so much that I do that I don't even like, I wouldn't take like one little thing from a hit class, but like say, you know, you're doing mountain climbers in a hit class okay, and you wanted to turn it backwards on the reformer. So if I was doing forearm plank on the reformer with feet on the bar, Oh, that sounds hard. And then push the carriage out to your forearm plank. Yeah. Most people, you might do two bent knees, bring it in, press it out. But you could do a mountain climber there. And it, I mean, it's not like that innovative, but to push your right knee up to your right shoulder, left knee to left shoulder, holding the carriage out the whole time. Or mm. standing on just one foot, pressing out, pulling the pulling one knee deep up to your chest and doing push, pull out on one leg. Yeah. And then switching out. like. You're just playing around with it. That sounds really hard. It would be, but it would also be good. Yeah. <laughs> that's a two, that's so basic, but. No, but that, I mean, I love that example. That's a great example. And I take a lot of like, uh, basically I take a lot of reformer stuff to the floor, like with gliders, like mm, doing, yeah. you know, sun salutation on a glider, like you would on a reformer. So you would put palms on a block, one foot, one glider under your feet and then slide back and then pike yourself back up and simple stuff on a glider that you just take off of the reformer. Lots of twisty things. I think as practitioners and instructors, 
people think that we never get injured. <gasps> like no. they're like, oh, they're an instructor. They're like, perfect. Mm. Can you talk about like maybe an injury you struggled with? <laughs> and then <laughs> how you've healed yourself because One. I think those, those are such like the best you learning heal lessons. Them all. <laughs> well, recently I had an injury. I did that XPT training. I told yes. you about the pool training with the weights in the pool and stuff like that. What's the idea behind... I mean, I know that her Laird and Gabrielle have like so much water experience, but like, mm-hmm. what's the what's the idea of bringing like the weight, getting to the bottom of the pool, and then it's walking. breath, it's deep all breath. breath work. Got so it. it's about staying underwater for as long as possible. The weight is holding you down. Got it. So you're like doing drills across the floor of the pool while you're weighted down, so that you oh don't pop back up. It's harsh. Did you train a lot for that? No. What? No. <laughs> doing and I walked in and there was it was just one specific thing I think it was called the squid where it's like doing triangle pose so let's say you're standing in a triangle pose but you're underwater and you have like the at the only, bottom of the pool no you're oh. underwater but you, the only thing above the water is a weight like a heavy weight in your top hand so let's say you're doing triangle with a heavy weight in your top hand you're using your bottom arm to swim across the length of the pool sideways and really, how heavy is the weight? Heavy, probably. Well, I, for me, I did, they didn't go that heavy, but probably like fifteen pounds, maybe max for me. Yeah. But it wasn't even about that. It's about well, how I injured myself is Gab. Gabby kept saying, "Whatever you do, don't look to the side of the pool. You have to trust that you're going to find the edge of the pool because you're underwater." And I was like, I'm not going to find the edge of the pool. And so I quickly looked to see, to make sure I wasn't going to bang my head into the pool yeah. and threw my neck out so bad, oh. <laughs> which she was like, I told you not to look. <laughs> <laughs> but I ended up with like a whiplash. So yeah, I mean, it was like in a matter of seconds where I was like, oh my God, my neck is so screwed now. And I kept thinking, I'm going to get through this. I'm just going to like... I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to heal this myself. I'm just going to stretch it away. And for six to eight months, I kept trying to get rid of it, thinking I could fix it, fix it, fix it. And finally, I ended up going to another chiropractor in LA that you had referred me to. Mm-hmm. And he was like, you are never going to fix this on your own. <laughs> He's like, you're so screwed. So, but he fixed it. Oh, great. Basically did like some crazy manipulations, fixed it. And then through NKT after that worked on really decompressing the extensors. Yeah. And what I found out through NKT was because of that, my extensors were so compressed and so like jammed up that my core was shutting down and I had no idea until I would get tested and they'd be like, your core. And I'd be like, wow, dare you? I teach for life. I don't even try 22 years. I don't even, I can do it. But the thing is, yeah, I can cheat my way through it and not even realize I'm cheating through it. And so once we finally decompressed the back of my neck, my core started turning on again. So now I'm like back to, oh, oh, this is hard, isn't it? (laughs) This is really hard to hold your legs up. So yeah, I mean, and I'm a teacher. Yeah. But it's funny. I mean, it happens all the time in the trainings for NKT. The Pilates people get up and you expect them to be like the strongest, but we're just so good at cheating it. And like jumping down on the floor and doing it really quickly yeah. that we don't even realize sometimes that we're cheating it. Wow. But it's, it stems back to injuries usually. And then how did you infuse that experience into like maybe seeing clients? 
don't look at the side of the pool if Gabby says don't. Yeah, if Gabby says don't look, don't look. (laughs) Well, I just, because I've started using NKT to figure out what people are doing, like to figure out why their back is popping off the floor instead of just assuming it's their QLs, like really going in and testing. And a lot of times you find it's, it's not necessarily what you think it is. Yeah. So I've just started like trying with my privates to just sneak it in if I have to. If they're like resistant, I'll be just like, you know, just pick up your leg. We're going to do this thing. Just hold it here really quick. Oh, wait, just push my hand. Just real quick, push my hand. Let me just see something really quick. trick them into muscle Constantly, constantly trick them. They have no idea. I love it. (laughs) They think that I'm just like trying to put them into a position before we start the exercise. That's a good way to sneak it in. You have to. Yeah. Yeah. Where can people find you? I have Instagram. Okay. I'm not, I don't do social media really. I have my Instagram, Real Body Alchemist. Okay. But I don't um, have a website or anything like that. I, most of my clients are all referrals. Where can but, they find you in LA? Oh, at Yoga Works. I teach classes at Yoga Works in Hollywood, um, Larchmont, and Studio City. And then I teach a reformer class in Woodland Hills. And then one Equinox class at Hollywood. Mm hmm. That's those those people are lucky, that Hollywood class. The Hollywood Equinox? Yeah. <laughs> mm. <laughs> I don't know if they would call themselves that, but they're very, that's a fun class. They're, they're a fun group of people. All I mean, it's once you start building like a core group of people that keeps coming, it gets more fun. Like the first year more. in LA, I was like, oh my God, this is horrifying. I remember one teacher, one girl, I my first class I taught in LA was this tiny little class. Cause if nobody knows you, nobody shows up to class, tiny little class. And one girl just sat there staring at me and she goes during class, during class, she goes, did you just learn this? <laughs> and I said, mm, no, <laughs> she was like, mm, it's different. It's different than what I'm used to. And I was like, well, it's different, but you know, you should just try it and see how it works for you. Just lay down and try it. Wow. That is so nice. I've never heard you so nice. She goes, "Mm, I don't like it. (laughs) I was like, okay, I love LA. This is going to be great. Did she ever come back? She is one of my favorite students now. (laughs) I love (laughs) She comes all the time. She comes up and gives me a big hug. Oh my God. She's awesome now. But the first day, boy, talk about resistant. I was like. (laughs) oh my god I love it I thought it was going to be a hard road that's great and it was but it's getting better what a great way to turn like a difficult situation into I don't I mean yeah once she finally just acquiesced to just getting through the rest of class and trying it yeah and then she just kept coming back and then once it made sense to her I guess she was like I love it (laughs) (laughs) but it's hard for people to get out of their comfort zone if they go to a Pilates teacher that does one thing all the time and then Classical. you show up and you do something totally different. They're like, what are you doing? I can't, I'm not going to excel at this. I'm not going to be the best in class at this. So I'm just going to shut down, which a lot of people do. Like people really want to be the best. And the same, you find it with NKT, you oh, know, yeah, when totally. you test people, they're like, I have to pass the test. Like you can't say that's a weak muscle. Cause they're like, how to no, know it's not weak. I did have once I'll wrap it up. I did have once it was like, this guy had sold his hedge fund. He had like a house in Miami, New York, like LA, New York, Paris, <laughs> living the life golfing. Mm-hmm. And I was like, Oh, I think te- I know who you're talking about. And I about. was a test. I did a test. And then I was like, Oh, okay. That, that's a little trickier. That's a little weak. 
he was so offended. He's like, you should find a nicer way to say that. Uh huh. Because that can really offend some people when you it say does. that. I was if, like, if people, if you say, oh, that, that's a fail. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, the looks on the faces, if you say fail, it's like, oh, yeah. no, try it again. Try it again. I have to test again. I'm not going to fail this time. It's like, it's not about that. It's so, and it's so hard because in training, they get so used to saying that. Like they say, oh, that's a fail. That's a fail. Yeah. But, I've had to really like I'll say that on the inside. <laughs> I, well, I've made up different words for fail. Like Tokyo is a fail. <laughs> so, you know, that's Tokyo. And they're like, what? And I'm like, oh, nothing. Oh, I love it. Nothing, nothing. Paris. That's <laughs> success. That was strong in the clear. <laughs> okay. So people can find you in LA, privates, yes. classes, anything like on the horizon that's like exciting um no not until you open up your la <laughs> location LA. <laughs> so that i can start working with people there that really want to make some changes that's the main thing i, I want to work with people that want to work i mean don't we all yes <laughs> but that's i mean that definitely doesn't that help you kind of weed through people i mean in terms of teaching privates i definitely don't book people a second time if i'm like i can't like i can't what do you babysit tell you through this i'm just too busy I, you know what? My schedule's so busy right now. I don't know that I can see you as much as and I then should. Do you refer them to someone else? If they ask me to, I, I'll, I'll always offer. You know, I can give you another instructor, or um, you know, I'm sure you'll figure it out. What a great place to be in life. I don't get that a lot, but I do get that definitely more in LA. Yeah, where there's some people, I'm just like, life is too short for me to. <laughs> try to like I'd be easier to put you on my back and do the exercises than to try to teach you this and you could do it because you're that strong well you could I wouldn't be strong for long if I did that <laughs> I'd be falling to pieces all right my dear it was so awesome sitting down with you thank you it was to good to see you know, congrats see you on too. the baby <laughs> thank you <laughs> that's a wrap I have two truths that I fully believe in first to be one percent better every single day and second all feedback is good feedback because it helps us grow. Why do I say this? If you're enjoying these conversations and you find this is adding value, send us some love by subscribing to Muscle Medicine Podcast on iTunes. And if you want to share your voice with the world and scream it from the rooftops and tell your friends, or you can just give us a little feedback so we can grow by rating and reviewing Muscle Medicine on iTunes. Thank you guys. So much gratitude. Dr. Emily Kybert here. <laughs> <laughs>